we're kind of wired as humans to grow and to live our most meaningful, richest, flourishing life when we step out of that comfort zone, step out of the box and break the cycle of monotony in our lives by being willing to try new things. Hi, my name is Gabriella Denry, MD. I'm one of the co-lead coaches for physicians at Doc Working. And welcome to the Whole Physician Podcast. And I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host, Jill Farmer, also the other co-lead at Doc Working. And we are here today to talk about how do you get the courage to try new things. Yeah, stepping out of the comfort zone. Exactly. Exactly. Stepping out of that comfort zone. So Jill, you know, with physician clients or other professionals that you have worked with, what is the biggest concern do you think about what what it means to step out of your comfort zone and to try new things? Most of the time when people come to me with great fear and trepidation and all kinds of reasons why it's a terrible idea to try something new, it's because they are convinced if they're not certain, whatever it is they're trying is going to be a wild success or they're going to be perfect at it. They feel like something's wrong and therefore they shouldn't try it. And so a lot of what my encouragement and coaching around is when somebody has this kind of whatever you want to call it, spark or inspiration to want to try something new. And then that other part of their brain that's saying, don't try something new. You're not going to get this right. You're going to screw this up. Is that voice is coming up too. They tend to want to default and listen to that voice of doubt or inner critic, the part of them that's saying you can't do it and pull back into that safe space. The problem with that is, of course, we're kind of wired as humans to grow and to live our most meaningful, richest, flourishing life when we step out of that comfort zone, step out of the box, and break the cycle of monotony in our lives by being willing to try new things. And so the price of admission for letting that caution voice always be the one that telling you that it's uncertain, unsafe, better not try it which is really strong in doctors. And I love that, that a lot of doctors have a really strong voice of caution to try to keep everything you know, safe for those that they are serving. We're not asking you to change that part of you that has prudence and caution. It's just to recognize that sometimes that can be a little overdeveloped when it comes to uh, things in your life that have lower stakes, potentially that you could try and develop. And price of admission for that is that you lose the reward of mastering new things, playing with new things, learning new things when you stay stuck in those old ways. So what do you think about that? Well, I think you bring up an important point. It's like, how do you distinguish between the caution that you need to exercise at work to make sure that you mitigate risk for your patients and for your colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens at home? What happens outside of work? And the ability to avail yourself of new ideas, new opportunities, and you know, a quality of life that may be different, you know, to expand your quality of life. And so it's easy to take that philosophy of work home. So to be able to separate the two I think is part of stepping out of that comfort zone. It's like, okay, it's safe for me to try inline skating now because I don't have to do that at work. I can do that at home. And yes, I may crash a few times and I'll need a few band-aids and I may feel foolish and look foolish. And no, I won't master it the first time I'm on those skates, but I get to have a little fun and to learn something new, something I've been curious about. You know, it's, it's kind of a mundane example, but a lot of times it's about knowing that Work is work and play is play or outside of work is outside of work. And it may not necessarily be play. It may be other things that you're interested in. 
So what do you think in terms of coaching and in terms of encouraging somebody to try something new, whether it is at work or in other situations, is it fair to say that part of the encouragement is to say that, you know what, you're not necessarily going to be 100% great at it right away. How do you approach that, that perfectionism, that need to get it right, that need to master everything right off the bat? And is it more of a need to impress somebody or to make sure it's done right? as opposed to going into a situation with the curiosity of a child, with that kind of growth learning mentality, which says, you know, there may be times where I'm going to suck and that's okay. So I don't know what has been your experience with that in trying to push people out of their comfort zone. Well, what I like to tell people is there's just a lot of brain science behind the idea that when we have a growth mindset, right, which is what is the work of all of the master's in positive psychology, which is really the science of success, right? Positive psychology isn't about being a peppy person. It's like, how do we work with people who are on the well side of the psychological scale and help them thrive instead of just surviving? And one of the things we know about that science of success is that people who have a growth mindset, which means they look at a challenge or something new as an opportunity to learn are happier and more successful than people that look at challenges with a fixed mindset, which is kind of what I call problem stalling instead of problem solving. Like, Here's all the reasons that's going to be hard and I'm not going to be great at it and I might make a mistake. And so we know in that science of success also that we got to set ourselves up to be allowed to make mistakes because mistakes are how we revamp. Now, I'm not talking about you know mistakes that are going to harm patients. Obviously, since we're talking to physicians here, we understand that. We're not encouraging that. But I find a lot of physicians are really uncomfortable with setting themselves up or making space for making mistakes anywhere and being willing to revamp and be willing to use those mistakes as data. And I know you've heard me say it before, but I love it. Richard Branson has said the reason that he's so wildly successful is because he has a bigger capacity for failure. Like he kind of likes it when things go wrong because he feels like that's how he learns how to make them go right. And I think that's what you were talking about is making some space for mistakes to happen because that's data that can help whatever it is we're learning new be in line more with what we want it to look like. And that's how we grow. And actually we thrive when we have that challenge, setback, reconfigure, move forward motion, that's a really good place for humans to thrive. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right about that because part of it, and just speaking from experience being on, you know, wards and emergency rooms and CCUs can potentially be a very judgmental environment. And you don't want to make mistakes very clearly for the sake of your patients. And at the same time, it's about, well, how is your colleague judging you? Or how is the chief judging you, the chair judging you? There's always a process of evaluation of testing, of performance. And so, yes, getting out of your comfort zone in other arenas of your life or even in a career track or different career choices can become difficult because of that fear of being judged and being looked at in a certain way. So you want to do the right thing. But what is the right thing? That really still is a very subjective thing or subjective considerations. And so to be able to allow yourself to just take a breath, to allow yourself to say, you know what, I'm on my learning curve. So for example, podcasting for me, although as much as I love it and I enjoy it, is still very new and I'm still on that learning curve and I still got a lot to learn and I know I've made a lot of mistakes and at the same time, it's learning how to enjoy that process, to fail forward instead of just 
seeing it as falling backwards and not trying again. And so we get back on the horse. And yes, if it risks looking silly for a little while or sounding totally crazy for a while, that's okay too. So it's being okay with making mistakes. I think that's the point that I think is a really, really important point, Jill, for why it is important to you know, muster up the courage to try new things. It's like you have to be okay to not be perfect and great with making mistakes and even relish in making mistakes so that you can learn and love it and laugh about it and say, wow, look at what it was six months ago compared to what it is today. And you enjoy the learning curve. You're able to just like flourish in the learning curve itself. And so that's what I love about it. Is there any other thing that you think it helps build confidence to move into a new space? Well, I think a couple of things that you talked about beautifully, I just want to reiterate real quickly. Yeah, leaders out there hear this loudly and clearly. If you don't make space for people that you are leading to make mistakes, you will train their brains to be scared. And we know that when we're in fight or flight mode, we lose cognitive ability, we lose discernment. And so you actually, by making an environment where it's the harsh evaluation, where you're trying to make them better, at times you risk actually having the adverse effect on their performance. So it's really important as a leader, you work on allowing people to have some space to make those mistakes. And the other thing I wanted to say that I think is really important that does allow for building confidence, as you said, is to make room for feeling some discomfort. It's not comfortable to try new things sometimes, just like it's not comfortable when you start, you know, working out new muscles. And the payoff is really cool. (laughs) It's really good. Or it's not comfortable when you first start stretching parts of your body that you haven't stretched before. But that discomfort is not pain or suffering. It's just some discomfort that comes with this process. Yes. And along with discomfort, one of the things, I mean, we live and work in an age of technology. And so if you're starting new things, let's say you want to learn how to play the guitar. (laughs) I mean, I always have music references because that's near and dear to my heart. But it starts with one note. So maybe it's, you know, reading an article, looking at a YouTube video and, you know, and kind of getting an idea of the arena that you want to start navigating as another way, perhaps, of boosting a little self-confidence when you start moving into something new. Because for some people, you know, getting started right away without knowing anything, they work beautifully in that arena and they're excited about it. But for most people, there's a little hesitation. And as you said, it's easier to listen to that little gremlin on the left shoulder saying, no, you can't you're going to be bad at it, don't even bother, then to say, okay, well, let me learn a little bit about it as I move in that direction. So do maybe a little prep work might help boost confidence as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's a good idea. Don't be afraid to learn. And then also be aware if you're one of those people who has some perfectionistic tendencies, then analysis paralysis is a thing. (laughs) So you just have to work on, again, learning some more information can be helpful and pair that with the willingness to be a little uncomfortable and to make mistakes and to put out as one of my favorite writers who teaches other people how to write, Anne Lamott says, be willing to have a really crappy, she uses a different word, first draft. (laughs) But being willing to whatever you're trying, having that crappy first draft is the process of moving forward in the beginning of trying something meaningful. Exactly. Exactly. Be willing to have a crappy first draft. I love it. I love it. That's exactly right. And in that crappiness, you learn a lot. Yeah, (laughs) you do. It's a little little better and a little better. And you get to enjoy that process. Absolutely. And the thing really is to, as you said, you have to be careful, the double-edged sword between 
prepping, getting a little knowledge under you before you get started and trying to know everything there is to know about something before you do anything about it, that analysis paralysis. There comes a point where you just have to get started because really the best teacher in life is experience. My father used to say always that, you know, Gabriella, 70% of what we learn in life is self-taught. And it's through experience and trying new things. A lot of what we learn in school, high school, grammar school, et cetera, et cetera, including medical school, I tell you, I don't know. What percentage do you actually use on a day-to-day basis? And so this is great, but sometimes experience is truly the best teacher and to go ahead and get started. So Jill, how would you sum all this up? I think the biggest thing is to put on a little bit of bravery pants. (laughs) So you get a little bit of courage. You don't have to be the most courageous or bravest person in the world. You're just going to put on a little bit of that bravery, be willing to make room for some mistakes, be willing to make room for a little bit of discomfort. And then what you will have made room for is some incredible possibility and some really meaningful richness that you're adding to your life. It's worth it. I'm not going to say it's always easy or it's going to feel perfect every minute, but if you can make some space for that, some big things can happen. Always great to have this conversation with you, of course. And if any of you heard anything that you liked today, we're just going to ask you to do one little thing. It'll take you about 10 seconds. Go over to whichever format you've listened to us on and give us those five-star ratings to review your experience with us. It really helps us be able to deliver this to you when you take the time to give us those ratings and your comments. So please just take a minute to do that. And if you haven't hopped over to docworking.com and signed up to find out great information on how you can learn more about getting coaching to help you thrive or taking some of our courses that are coming over the next few months to help you thrive as well, make sure you do that today. Until next time, on behalf of lead coach Gabriella Dennery, MD, and myself, Jill Farmer, Thanks for being with us on Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number 1. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.